Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, Kodo listeners. This is Matt Hoist from the Kodo News team. Thank you very much for tuning in to another installment of Off the Record, our penultimate in our, our month plus of election coverage here at, uh, at Kodo News. Of course, next week is Election Day, so definitely make sure to tune in for that to get all the results for all the things happening this election. Um, but today for our last show before Election Day, we are going to be covering some of the remaining issues on the ballot in Telluride. We've got quite a few things we're going through. At 6.30, we are going to have Mayor Delaney Young as well as members of the Telluride Tourism Board on to chat about question 2A, which concerns tax dollars that fund tourism in the town of Telluride. Before that, we're going to have a conversation with town clerk Tiffany Cavanaugh about some of the the more wonky ballot questions, I will admit, about um, amendments to the town charter. If if you already got your ballot, those are 2B and 2C. They might have been the ones that you looked at and went, huh? Um, So stay tuned. We're going to have a a conversation we recorded earlier this month with clerk Tiffany Cavanaugh to shine some light on those rather wonky charter amendment questions. But kicking off our hour, we have with us in studio... Daniel Zemke, Mr. Zemke, is uh, is running for the, the contentious race of town meeting moderator. Of course, I say contentious sarcastically because he's running unopposed. But we're glad, Daniel, that you could join us. Thanks for being here. Matt, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so folks who already got their ballot will look at it and, of course, see that there is is a question for town meeting moderator and that you are the the lone square on that uh, that little that ballot there. So you're the only one they can vote for, it seems. So we definitely want to make sure folks actually know who you are, who they might be checking the box for if they choose to. Um, So for starters, can you just tell us a bit about who you are, Daniel? (laughs) Happy to do it. Um, I moved to Telluride back in 2006. I'm an attorney in town. I volunteer for various boards, including one-to-one, Telluride Theater, Uncompagre Volunteer Legal Aid. I've done TAB, including strutting the runway. (laughs) I like to be involved in town. I was the marijuana licensing authority officer for about four years and just uh, like to be involved and a member of the community and enjoy living in Telluride. Mm. Skier or a snowboarder? Skier, definitely. <laughs> Had to ask. Um, now, town meeting moderator, it's, uh, it's a position that a lot of people actually might not be as familiar with. Um, it's kind of a, a quirky little thing that, that we have here in, in Telluride. Essentially... The town, it's, this is like written in our, in our charter, the town can call a meeting where if someone gets a petition with at least 15% of the registered electors signing that petition, there is, there is a, a meeting is called. And if at least one third of the electors attend that meeting, they can essentially act as, as a legislative body. And if a majority of them decide to do something, they, they can basically act as town council. Um, and the, the town meeting moderator, the position you are running for, um, is essentially the, the ringleader of that shebang. Um, <laughs> so this, of course, begs the question, Daniel, why do you want to run for town meeting moderator? It's a good question. I didn't know about the position at all. I was in the butcher and the baker and was contemplating actually a run for town council when somebody said, do mod- meeting moderators, less stress, less meetings. I was like, perfect. And then I asked Tiffany Cavanaugh about the requirements. She sent me the, the charter. I like it because it is direct democracy. It is an opportunity for the public to voice their opinions and be heard on issues that get set. I've always wanted to be a mediator uh, in the legal profession, and this is similar to that, where I'd be running a meeting and helping facilitate the discussions and the decisions and then hopefully passing it along to council. And I love the idea that people can make a change at that level. Is that your your campaign slogan, less less stress, less meetings. That's exactly it. You, you nailed it. <laughs> um, well, how do you see this role, though? Because it is it is actually somewhat fascinating. I mean, defined in the the town charter, it says that the, the moderator shall chair and determine the procedures of each town meeting called during um, their term in office, which is actually a, I thought, actually rather surprisingly broad mandate. Um, so how do you see this role? You know, it's an interesting question. I envision that because you're allowed to do three issues on any decision at a meeting that get called up. 
I imagine working with the clerk and setting the parameters of the issues to be decided and then assuming a quorum shows up for the meeting, conducting the meeting, getting all the voices heard, taking the vote count, and then passing along the resolutions, uh, whatever they may be, to council for adoption or if they've been rejected, then they've been rejected. But the specifics of that process of what that meeting would look like, you know, I'm going to have to wait until that gets called up. And to be honest with you, I'm kind of hoping that I do get called up. I don't want to sit there and be doing nothing for the two years I'm elected. <laughs> and I do think that there's enough issues in this town that can be discussed and put forth by the electorate to be decided. So we'll see. What would you want to see a town meeting on? Well, I, I think housing is going to be obviously decided on November 2nd, or at least decided to the point that there's going to be some work to be done. But I think there's things such as you know, use of town park and the proper capacity, the number of events that town park hosts. You could do things on related to mental health, mental health and addressing needs of our residents there. I think there's any number of things that concern the constituency that could be addressed through a meeting. Mm. You kind of mentioned this a bit earlier, but I, I am curious about touching on it a bit more. I mean, you know, all those issues could be addressed by town council or through, you know, yearly elections. I guess, why do you see the town meeting as an ideal forum for, for addressing some of the issues we're facing. I, I think that people are frustrated in the sense that they get to a meeting or maybe they don't because they're working during the day and yet they want to have their voices heard. And I think there's an opportunity to, um, in a different forum, in a different venue, address some issues that may not feel that is being addressed by the populace. And so it's just, it's, it's like Athenian democracy. It is the public coming and forth and saying, this is what we want to be heard on. And that, once I started digging deep as a history teacher or a former history teacher, really kind of spoke to me. So it's kind of neat. Mm. It has been a while, though, since we've had a town meeting. So you might be, be gambling if you're hoping to get one in the next two years. Uh, yeah, I may be. I mean, I, I just found out from Joan May. She was telling me that Jerry Green used to do it. I think that's amazing. He was obviously a huge contributor to this town. Audrey Mosier did it for a couple of years. The last one that was called was in 2009, according to Tiffany Cavanaugh, but we didn't have the quorum to actually hear it. So I was here at that time. I don't remember that or reading about that in the paper. But, um, you know, I, I think trying to get a third of the electorate into a space for a meeting will be a challenge in and of itself. But um, it's an interesting challenge. Mm. Listeners, this is, of course, off the record. If you have a question for Daniel Zemke about his campaign for town meeting moderator, give us a call, 970-728-4333. Again, that's 970-728-4333. Daniel, I also have to ask, I mean, what qualifies you for this position? You are running unopposed, but I have to, I have to know, what are the qualifications you have for, for doing this? Because I think... I mean, if this actually does come up, I think you will you will certainly be in the spotlight. So why should folks uh, trust you with their vote? You know, that's a great question. <laughs> um, as a lawyer, I've been trained to, to look at both sides of the issue and bring people to a, a greater resolution on things. I practice not from the perspective of pounding tables and ramming law down people's throats, but looking at the big picture. So when I look at that and look at the possibility of you know, putting myself in other people's shoes and really listening to the concerns that they have and then trying to implement that as a, in marriage with some of my client issues. I think that I've been successful at that. Anybody who's been my client, I think, would say that I've, you know, I've, I'm fair, I listen well. Um, I, I really try and achieve a goal and an objective that is workable, not only for my client, but is realistic to the other side. I don't, I, I don't, mince words and mess around as far as um, if something's um, completely garbage, I'm going to tell you that, mm. whether you're my client or not. And and, and I think that it, trying to get people to understand that, look, we have a, a greater good here. Let's navigate towards that has been one of my strengths um, personally and professionally. So I think that helps me in that arena. Mm. Paint a picture for us, I guess, of what a, a Daniel Zemke town meeting would, would look like. I guess, what what are the things you would want to do as the person who is essentially running running the show? Because, I mean, it's it's pretty interesting, again, in the charter. I mean, they really do give you the reins um, to run this. I mean, it's almost like you're, you know, the, the clerk and the attorney and just all these little governmental things wrapped into one. Um, so as the person running the show, if this happens, I guess, what would... What would you uh, what would you try and do, and, and what would that meeting look like if you were in charge? Well, if we have three issues that need to be decided, assuming that there are three, and I'm guessing there would be, 
you have an agenda that you need to stick to. You would obviously need to maintain the decorum and the ability for people and voices to be heard in an adequate uh, way. So if that means, you know, like Delaney does in town council, she limits comments to a period of time. She's very respectful of opinions, but she also wants to make sure that there's progress towards getting the resolution or goal of, of that meeting addressed. I can see myself doing that. Um, you know, being respectful of different opinions and making sure that voices are heard is critical to this process. And then I think, you know, um, really driving the agenda and the the meeting during the time frame that is allotted to make sure that we, vo you know, you are uh, addressing the issues, you're attempting to resolve the issues, and you're putting a decision forth that, that is reflective of the will of the people. That's a lot of esoteric, I, you know, language, I get that, but that's really the only way that I can formulate that in my own head and, and, and make sure it works. And sure, it's going to be kind of rough the first time if I get called up for it, so... Um, but, you know, I learned very quickly. Um, one thing I did want to point out that our listeners don't know, based on our discussion, is there is the veto power of, of town council. So if we decide something at a meeting and we put it before council to be ratified or adopted, council can veto that by a 7 nothing vote, and they can take it back from the people, which is, you know, again, that's part of our, our democracy. So that's an interesting concept as well. You hope they don't do it because that is the will of the people, but they have that power. I was pretty surprised when I saw that, though. I, I think that's like a very... I, I don't know many other things in our town that require a, a you know, unanimous decision to, to have happen. I, I don't think it's popular in many forms of democracy, but it is nice that it is there as a, as a, a function. Mm. Um, given even though that this is a rather, to some sense, you know, as we've said, administrative, bureaucratic role, you're really facilitating something not, you know, we're not imposing Dan Zemke's will on the people. Um, but as someone who would, again, be running what essentially is standing in as, as the legislative body of the town, if it does convene, what do you see? You've been here for 15 years. What in your mind is the, the essence, the essential part of Telluride, the thing that, that you would not want to see leave this town otherwise it would be categorically unequivocally changed what is the the essence of telluride that we must preserve that is probably the toughest on the spot question i've had in a long time <laughs> you know on I'll, live radio yeah thanks i appreciate it um you know the things that i love about the town are the ability to walk down the street and and greet people on a day-to-day -day basis and catch up with their day-to-day -day. that's not going to disappear um you know, you obviously want to protect people that are living and working here and making a, a living and uh, a go here. And, you know, I could see where that might come up. I, and, you know, I understand that tourism has a big impact here and it's obviously been very crowded. Um, you know, I'd like to see maintain that tourism is still here. I'd like less and smaller lines at the Coffee Cowboy. They know that because I get in line and sometimes I get grumpy with them. But it's it's really hard to say you know the, the quality of this town is the kindness of the people that are here and the ability for people to remember that we are all here for the same reason i mean i tell people all the time like when you're getting frustrated and angry and i'm one of them look up and look around man like look at where you're at take a moment and breathe so that's a not probably the direct answer to your question but it is stuff that i love about this town that i hope never disappears I'll take it for now. All right. Um, we have asked all of our candidates running uh, some lighter questions, some quick fire questions. And though you are unopposed, Mr. Zemke, we will throw a couple of rapid fire questions at you just because they're kind of fun sometimes. What is your favorite Telluride tradition? Um, I guess I love the fact that they have the Nothing Festival, although I'll never participate in it. <laughs> so that's kind of cool. <laughs> Do you, what is, a, if you have it, what is your guilty pleasure? <sighs> Michael Jackson. Mm. And if you had a campaign theme song, what would it be? I don't have one, but anything by Prince would would suffice. I'm a huge fan of Prince as well. So, um, you know, he, his stuff is kind of raunchy. It may not be, you know, to the level of a campaign theme song, but you can throw some Prince on and I'm, I'm down for it. Well, I know that our... <laughs> I know we've got some Prince fans out there, so I imagine that was, that was liked by some of our listeners. Um... Daniel Zemke, uh, your closing remarks that you would like to share with our Kodo listeners for this most contentious uh, race that is unopposed for town <laughs> meeting moderator. Um, first, just Matt, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to speak. Um, a lot of people have asked me, like, what am I doing and why am I running? 
I care about the town. I love what it represents. I'd like to have the opportunity to represent the town in the capacity of, of conducting meetings and, and allowing for democracy to run its course. And, you know, I know that I have at least one vote. That'd be mine. I hope I get a few more. So thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Well, Daniel Zemke is running unopposed for Telluride Town Meeting Moderator. Daniel, we are so glad that you could come in here and, and share some thoughts with our listeners. Thanks for having me. So, all right. We, uh, have actually our next interview is actually someone not coming in. We, we pre-recorded an interview, so we are going to throw that on. It's a, a conversation uh, with Tiffany Cavanaugh, the Telluride town clerk, talking about uh, questions 2B and 2C, which are some of the wonkier questions. Um, they are amendments to the town's home rule charter, moving a couple of things around. If you saw them, you might have thought, huh? Um, so in 13 minutes and a couple seconds, Ms. Tiffany Cavanaugh, who joined us earlier this month, is going to explain to you, I hope, everything that you need to know to understand questions 2B and 2C on the balance. So here is that pre-recorded interview. Tiffany Cavanaugh, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Matt, for having me. For starters, Tiffany, can you just explain for our listeners what the town's home rule charter is? Yes. So first, let me give you a little background of what a home rule municipality is. So a home rule municipality allows voters the flexibility to create laws related to local concern as opposed to a statutory town, which statutory towns have to abide by state law. So a home rule municipality adopts a home rule charter, which that's basically the local laws and regulations of the town. And it can only be amended by the electorate. This is something that the town council cannot amend on their own. They can refer amendments to the electorate, um, but they can't change it on their own. Mm, so it's, it's kind of like the town's constitution? Yes, exactly. Gotcha. Well, so then the next follow-up question being, um, can you give a bit of background on how these questions got on the ballot and why it is that this election we're voting on these Home Rule Charter amendments? Yeah, absolutely. So as I stated, the Home Rule Charter allows the flexibility to pass local laws but it can also be limiting in some ways if it's not amended from time to time. So in 2013, that was the last time that charter amendments went before the electorate. And that was based on some pretty major changes at the state level um, in the election law. And so staff did a thorough review of the charter and found several areas that conflict with either the state election code again or the state constitution. Um, and we just made some suggestions to town council on amendments for clarification purposes and so that we can be more in line with state law. So this is a, a rather administrative set of election questions. Question 2B is there are some components of that question that I'd like to go a little bit more in detail. Yeah, let's. why don't we just lay out for the, the listeners what it is that are in these, these two questions and, and what they're actually voting on. Yeah, perfect. So when the electorate receives their ballot, there will be two questions for charter amendments. There will be question 2B and question 2C. The first question 2B includes non-substantive cleanup provisions to clarify intent and updates to comply with the Colorado Constitution and Colorado election codes, as there have been more amendments to the election code at the state level that uh, we're needing to change our charter for. And then question 2B also includes a few amendments to the boards and commissions section of the charter. For example, there's a question asking um, whether or not to remove the limitation on the number of non-qualified electors serving on a border commission. So right now we only allow two non-qualified electors to serve on a border commission. And that is one of those limiting factors. And what's a non-qualified elector? So for example, someone that lives in San Miguel County that is not eligible to vote in the town of Telluride. So they don't live in the town of Telluride, they can't vote in town elections. Right now, the charter only allows two non-qualified electors to serve on boards or commissions. Gotcha. And then under that border commission section, there's also a question whether um, the clause that states that there shall be no term limits for border commission members, removing that from the charter. So 
town council at least has the option to discuss whether or not there should be term limits on some board or commission members. Um, 2B also includes amendments to the town meeting moderator and the town meeting sections of the charter. And currently, the charter states that the town clerk may only admit registered electors of the town and the media to a town meeting. And this amendment being proposed would allow necessary staff needed to hold the meeting to attend that meeting as well, but not vote. And I wanna clarify, cause I have had some questions on a town meeting, what that is. This provision in the charter as defined is not your public town meeting. So we're not talking town council, HARC, PNZ, those meetings that are required to be open to the public. If you read the charter under town meeting, this is a special provision that allows basically the town electors to call a town meeting of the people and act as the legislative body. So essentially the town can say, if you, if you reach a quorum, a certain percentage of the town attending the meeting, you can assent that the people at that meeting could be voting as if they were town council, essentially. Yes, that's exactly right. They would have the legislative power to pass local laws. And the quorum on that is pretty high. We haven't had a town meeting in quite some time. I think the late 80s was the last time there was an official town meeting. So that's question 2B. Okay. And, and what would you say is kind of the general heading that, that puts all those different elements into one question? So that question is going to appear on the ballot asking whether or not the electorate would like to approve the non-substantive cleanup provisions to clarify intent and updates to comply with the Colorado Constitution and Colorado election codes. So that's how that's going to appear. Okay, so it's, it's kind of house cleaning and modifications to the, the, the Home Rule Charter? Yes. All right, and then there's 2C. So 2C... This question proposes that the majority of the initiative and referendum section that's currently in our charter be moved to the Telluride Municipal Code. These sections are procedural in nature and may need to be updated more frequently based on changes in state law. Currently, there are um, a lot of language in the section that's outdated and needs to be updated. So these sections that we're proposing be moved to the municipal code would allow town council to update that more frequently with two readings of an ordinance as opposed to waiting for the next election to ask the elector if they want to change those. Okay. And as you said, home, if it stays in the home rule charter, the only way you can change it is with an election. And, and you're saying moving it to the municipal code just allows for that more flexible process. Yes, that's right. And just because we're throwing around all these terms, can you briefly also clarify what the municipal code is and, and how it's different from the home rule charter? Yeah, so the municipal code um, consists of basically our ordinances. So when you uh, hear town council or read on the agendas that they're considering first reading of an ordinance, uh, second reading of an ordinance, it's basically the, the laws that um, apply in town where there could be our marshal's department could write a citation if you violate those laws and wind up in municipal court. There are often um, fines associated with violating that. So those types of laws and regulations live in our municipal code. Okay. So can you outline, I guess, what the what is being considered to move from the Home Rule Charter to the municipal code? Yeah, so the Home Rule Charter, those sections right now under the initiative and referendum section are things like how to submit an initiative petition to the town or a referendum petition and what type of headers need to be on that petition and what language needs to be included. Uh, when town council can call a special election, how many days before the election they can do that. So it's really procedural stuff that's already in the state code. And right now, with the state code being amended to include some timelines that conflict with our charter, um, that's why we're asking those to be moved so that we can amend those more frequently. Gotcha. And is there anything else that's being asked to move to the municipal code? No. So it's just those procedural things around special elections and, and referenda? And initiatives, yes. Mainly the petitions and how those are submitted to the town. Gotcha. And is it... Are there any substantive changes to that or is it more just kind of general procedural aspects? All procedural. 
so this will, if this passes at the election, then town council will need to consider an ordinance with the amendments to comply with state code and be more in line with the state code. So if this passes, then the Telluride Town Council will have to pretty quickly consider an ordinance to adopt these sections in the municipal code with amendments. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and with the, the strong caveat that because you're a town employee, you, you're not you're not taking positions on any of this. You're strictly giving us information here, which we really appreciate. Yes, thank you. <laughs> um, but I do just want to ask, I mean, you had mentioned that, that you know, town staff had kind of recommended these changes, and this was kind of the result of, of looking through all these aspects. Um, I guess, is, what would, can you paint a picture at all of, you know, is there a negative status quo that would result if these don't pass? Or I guess what, you know, is, is there any negative outcomes that would come if, if these don't end up passing in town, as you're saying, is... I guess, out of line with the state laws? So, I mean, we've been operating under this charter for quite some time. And um, when you look at the election section, one thing that could come about if these aren't passed is if we had to have a standalone election. So this election is coordinated with the county. Um, so once that ballot language is certified, the, the county basically takes over. If the town were ever to have a standalone election, we would look at our charter and those provisions in the charter and, and also state code, and then um, have to coordinate and run our election according to that. There are some timelines in there that we just absolutely cannot meet as listed in the charter due to changes in state code. So even though our charter would allow for a um, certain amount of time to call us election, we just couldn't meet that. And so we would basically have a charter that conflicts with state code on some issues. There are other things in here that the town council looked at and recommended on their own, such as the board and commission section. And not sure that if those passed, it would be as um, limiting as some of those state law things, but it just doesn't allow the flexibility for town council to even consider some of those things. Mm. Um, and again, to, to clarify, you know, if people are listening and they say, well, for whatever reason, I like some of these things, but not others. I mean, right now, there's really only, they're kind of grouped into these, this 2B and 2C section. So it is kind of an all or nothing thing on, on each of those questions. It is, yes. It was either that or we would, there are lots of changes. Um, there would have been a lot of different questions on the ballot. So for ease and shortness of the ballot, we decided to group them in those two questions. And I do want to add one more thing. So the space on the ballot this year was limited. So the town measures will not appear in full. When the ballots are received, these questions will appear with their question number. So 2A through 2D and also question 300, followed by a short question on whether or not that question should be adopted. The full language for each question can be found in several places. So it can be found on the town's website under government, town clerk, elections, and then by clicking on this year's election. It can be found on the front page of our website under the spotlight. There's a PDF with election information and you have to double click that and then it pulls it up. And then also every registered elector in town will receive an informational booklet in the mail that includes the full ballot language with the question as it will appear on the ballot. So um, it will have the question as it will appear, followed by the full language. And those booklets can also be picked up at Town Hall, Rebecca Hall, at the county, and then when the voter service polling centers are open, they'll be available there too. Tiffany, is there anything else that you just wanna add about these two questions amending the town's home rule charter and municipal code um, that I just haven't asked you. No, I just encourage everyone to read the full language and please call me at 728-2157 if you have any other questions. Well, I think given that these are, are some of the more technical questions on the ballot, maybe maybe less sexy questions, I wouldn't <laughs> go out on a limb and say that much. Um, we really appreciate you coming in, Tiffany, and, and offering um, some clarity so that no one ends up with a ballot and they're not quite sure what they're voting for. Yeah, thank you for taking the time, Matt. I appreciate it. Tiffany Cavanaugh is the town clerk for the town of Telluride. Thanks again, Tiffany. Thank you. 
And that was a pre-recorded interview we did with town clerk Tiffany Kavanaugh chatting about ballot questions 2B and 2C, all about those town charter amendments. Hope that provided some clarity. They are, they are very uh, wonky questions, to be honest, but like all the questions on the ballot, they are important and they do have consequences. So hope you were paying attention. There will not be a quiz not to worry. We are going to be taking a quick break as we get our remaining guests settled for our final segment, chatting about question 2A on the Telluride ballot, looking at allocation of funding for tourism in the town of Telluride. We're going to be joined by members of the Telluride Tourism Board, as well as Telluride Mayor Delaney Young for our final half hour. So stay tuned. It's going to be on in just a few minutes. We'll be right back. This is Off the Record on KOTO Telluride. Welcome back, Kodo listeners. It's Off the Record. I'm Matt Hoysh from the Kodo News Team. If you are just tuning in, this is our final piece of election coverage before election night a week from tonight. And to close things out, we are talking about some of the remaining issues on Telluride's ballot. Earlier in the hour, we chatted with Daniel Zemke, running unopposed for town meeting moderator. We had a conversation with Tiffany Cavanaugh about questions 2B and 2C, which are amendments to Telluride's town charter. Closing out the hour, we are going to be spending the remainder of our time chatting about question 2A. Now, question 2A is, it's not really wonky, but it is, you know, it's tax policy, and that can sometimes, you know, people roll their eyes when they see numbers sometimes. I understand that. (laughs) Um, But question 2A, essentially, um, there is a county lodging tax, a 2% county lodging tax that goes toward funding tourism, funds the Telluride Tourism Board. And question 2A proposed by Telluride's town council essentially keeps that tax in place, doesn't actually change the amount that people are being taxed, but reallocates the tax in a sense to put it under the town's control. So the town is taking in the money now and has a choice as to how to allocate that money. And I'm going to actually just really quickly read from the ballot verbatim because I think that's important just to set the stage for the the conversation we're going to be having. And the ballot says that if 2A passes, that 2% tax would stay in place, um, but the town could then use it for funding activities, quote, related to tourism or marketing of the Telluride community, managing the effects of tourism on the community and its natural and its natural resources, or for other town purposes, including but not limited to improving transportation services, improving the town's wastewater treatment facility, the acquisition of property for and or the construction of affordable housing or employee housing, as as hereafter determined by the town council. So 
The town would have control of the money and could use it for either tourism or other uses if it passes. And if it does not pass, the status quo remains and this 2% tax goes to fund the tourism board. And that's essentially the question that we are debating with our three guests joining us in studio. We are so grateful to be joined by Telluride Mayor Delaney Young, Michael Martelon, the president and CEO of the Telluride Tourism Board, and Dan Jansen, tele- chairman of the Telluride Tourism Board. All three of you, thank you. Thanks for having us. Um, and I want to check with all of you. Was that an accurate representation of 2A and, and what it would do if it passed? The, the, the only question I would ask is, um, I believe it, the, the proceeds of the lodging tax currently need to go towards marketing, not necessarily exclusively uh, to the tourism board. So if the town decided to spend it, the marketing dollars in a different way, and marketing could be pretty broadly defined. So now, yeah. now I'm getting wonky here. but <laughs> It's complicated. It's, it's complicated. The wonkiness is what makes the world go round. <laughs> um, Delaney, we're going to start with you, though, because this actually came on the ballot because Telluride's town council proposed it and actually voted to put it on the ballot back um, in August. So can you give our, our listeners some background just as to why a majority of town council felt this was something you wanted to put to the voters? Yes, I'll do my best. Um, I try to not speak for the entire council, but thinking back to the meetings that we had and conversations we had, I think that this topic has been coming up for years. This wasn't anything new. It's come up sometimes uh, more involved conversations than at other times. And ultimately, I think the situation was the town has no oversight of the monies because it's basically a pass-through. Since it's a county lodging tax, it goes to the county, and the county lodging tax from the state mandate has to be spent on marketing for tourism. The town wanted to see what was going on with it and have oversight of it, I think is probably the easiest way to describe that. We all decided to keep it even at 2% to keep it less complicated by not changing the amount, changing the fact that it is taken on lodging for 29 days or less, all of those same parameters, but instead of calling it a county, calling it a county lodging tax, sorry, it was a long council meeting day today, um, we would call it a town lodging tax, same name, same amount, But really to have it be, I think in some people's minds, and this is where I might be putting words in people's mouths, and I apologize if this is not an accurate representation for every council member, but to have it be more similar to what is already going on in the other town in our county. Mountain Village had opted out years ago of the county lodging tax and created their own methodology, which is largely the same as ours. And this would put us in the same position, basically. Hmm. Well, Michael and Dan, what are the, if 2A passes, I guess, what are the potential impacts you all feel it could have on the community? And, and what do you see the impacts being if it does pass? You know, it's up to the electorate, I think. And Dan, you jump in here. Um, the electorate will decide we're a service provider. So we market the destination. That's been our job. Um, we market and maintain the destination, or we attempt to. Um, the, the disappointing, the thing that drags me down uh, personally is that there's a 16-year collaboration that's been going on that we're, I say that it, uh, it kind of fits in our heritage a little bit because we like to blow things up. <laughs> and that's basically what it would be doing. It would be blowing up the tourism board. Um, the, the town of Telluride hasn't, all they're doing is saying that we want, we're, we're going to take control of it. Um, and then I worry because the things that they're going to, you know, when you talk about the wastewater treatment plant, you talk about these, these line items that are enormous. Our budgets, you know, we get about a million, one million two from the town of Telluride. And we get about that from the town of Mountain Village. And, and that is a, a, a squeaky sum of money uh, to market a destination like Telluride internationally. Well, and, and this is Dan, and the listeners may say, wow, that sounds like a lot of money to me. But when we compare 
to what other destinations do. We're, it's a relatively modest budget. We think we do a lot with it. But to answer your question, I, I think the history is a little informative here. I mean, 15 plus years ago, the three leaders of the three governments came together and said, in order to manage tourism and mitigate its impacts, we should work to collaboratively together, um, fund an organization, predominantly us, but can be others, uh, and work in that collaborative manner to identify priorities and to coordinate the activities across the region. The concern we have with 2A is that, um, is that it will blow up the intergovernmental agreement that has the three governments kind of frankly forced to collaborate. And my concern is even though they're well-intended and the governments have said they're gonna continue marketing to some extent, is that they'll uh, go in different directions and we'll lose that coordination and collaboration uh, across the region. And, and we spend as much time managing and mitigating uh, the impacts of tourism. We, we've been found, we're in a different place than we were 15 years ago. We think now's a great time for us to sit around the table and talk about what are our priorities, um, but to blow it up and send the, the three governments likely in different directions on different timelines, we think there's a better way. Mm. I'm, I'm gonna just jump in on that. Yeah, please. I appreciate what you're saying, but that has actually already happened. That agreement as it currently, or as it existed, is not the same as it was because one of those three governments has already given notice a while ago that they're not part of it anymore. And honestly, I think that part of why our council went in this direction is because there is, there are some unknowns because mm. those three governments were not party to that agreement anymore, even though we were trying to get to that place. And that, um, that so, government's mountain villages, you're saying? Yes. Yeah. And I fully appreciate everything you said. I don't think 2A is blowing it up. I think that that had already kind of occurred. And I think that was probably, and again, I don't want to put into words into people's mouths from council because they're not here. I think that was part and parcel of why this seemed a logical decision for the town of Telluride because there are some unknowns right now yeah. of what's going no, and on. I, and I appreciate that. Yeah. Know, we're an apolitical organization and when the last thing we want to do is be figuring out where to assign blame uh, for this being disbanded, um, our understanding and the lawyers can weigh in is that while there's an intention, for example, of Mountain Village to potentially go its own way, it hasn't formally happened yet. Um, and if this 2A were to not pass, we encourage people not to support it, we think a collaborative effort is salvageable. We think it will be difficult because when you get three governments around the table, I was involved in the formation of the RTA and that took years, right? Um, we'd rather stay together, um, but uh, we'll see how it plays out. Well, I will note that the town of Mountain Village, yes, I was talking to them because I want to make sure I understood their position on all this. They did put out a, a request for proposal yesterday for people to do tourism funding and marketing, essentially. So they are, they're putting it out there to, if someone wants to do this with us, they're looking for proposals. So, And, and, and we fully intend to respond, but the, the, the decision that they could make off of those responses is, wow, what we currently kind of have in place, the 16 years of history that Michael talked about, the, the visitor center, the, the campaigns we've run, the longitudinal data we provide to the community, it may be upon reflection of those RFP responses, they'll decide that that's very valuable. Uh, and staying at the table with all of us together um, is the better path forward. That, that's what we think is the better path forward. But to Michael's point, the councils and the electorate will decide here. Mm. Listeners, if you're just tuning in, we are chatting with Mayor Delaney Young and Michael Martelon and Dan Jansen of the Telluride Tourism Board about question 2A, which is possibly determining the future of how Telluride allocates tax funding to tourism and marketing. If you have a question or a comment about tourism and marketing in the region, give us a call, 970-728-4333. Once again, 970-728-4333. Delaney, realizing you're not going to speak for all of council, there's six other people who have votes in this town besides you for, for these decisions. Um, but, I mean, just how are you all thinking about, you know, I mean, if this does pass, I can imagine a lot of people would be concerned to think that town might be going away from marketing. I mean, how is council thinking about if town suddenly has control over how to allocate these dollars, what's the future you see marketing playing in the region? Well, that is not a very simple question to answer because it is an election season and we have four seats up right now on council and I, nobody can determine what's gonna happen <laughs> after November 2nd, right? However, I think currently, and I know from speaking to council, we just 
thankfully adopted our budget today. And part of those budget discussions and precursors to them was, what do we talk about when it comes to at least 2022 for marketing? And one of the questions I asked repeatedly at least twice, maybe three times at meetings was, is anyone on council thinking they do not want to support marketing going forward? Raise your hand because we do straw polls where we do thumbs up, et cetera. Not a single person is interested on the current council with canceling marketing. We know that that is a fool's errand. We also discussed how we go into 2022. If 2A was to pass, we decided we would not have any changes going into 2022 because one, it would be pretty complicated to figure that out after budget was adopted. Mm -hmm. And there's an organization who has a budget also that they expect to be able to go forward. So November to January, that's kind of a tight time frame. So the intention of council was for 2022 that there would be no change. The way the language in the ballot measure is written is that going into the future, there is the option for future councils to have some discretion with that spending. But again, I really feel strongly, and I asked that question multiple times on purpose, there may be some opinions on council that are stronger than others when it comes to how we market and how much we put money, how much money we put into marketing. But generally speaking, no one wants to pull the plug on marketing. That would be silly. Um, that whole crystal ball idea that we all want when with four people coming on, at least two of whom will be new council members who we haven't worked with before, we I can't answer for them no, for the can. future. Mm. Well, and we uh, to be clear, we very much appreciate that you recognize there's an operational continuity issue here. Um, our planning assumption, though, is when we're um, the, the, the visionary leaders of 16 plus years ago said we need to have a secure funding stream in place so that we can make multi-year commitments. Um, if we find out on November 3rd that we can't pay our rent in the visitor center on Main Street on January 1, we have a big problem. Um, you also highlighted one of the challenges why this council is generally committed to marketing. We're going to be competing with some very noble other goals of you know, workforce, housing, wastewater, treatment plant, uh, other government purposes. Um, and so our planning assumption is that we're going to have to do get by with less. And there's we'll probably get less funding from you. Can't predict the future, but I'll bet a cup of coffee uh, at the bean that that's going to happen. And therefore, there's a point at which we're not viable. Um, and if Mountain Village makes the same decision, we start downsizing to the point where we can't operate a visitor center. We can't run effective campaigns. We can't do good data analytics. So. Um, our, and, and future councils, no one can guarantee what a future council will decide. And so by putting us into an annual budgeting process, um, as opposed to our longitudinal funding, we're very worried about our ongoing viability. Um, we got a caller coming oh. in. I'm going to bring him up. Hey, live on Coda. What's your question? I actually have two. Uh, one is, why does the town of Telluride pay twice the rate roughly twice the lodging room rate that the town of Mountain Village pays, where you were formerly the mayor. And uh, uh, Keith Hampton of 2D has his properties. Um, and uh, secondly, um, whatever happened with the, um, the project that the tourism board took on with the uh, Bridal Veil Shuttle, which is the current status of that control of it when that proposal first came up. Those two questions. Thank you. Thank you. Um, can anyone speak to the two times room rate? Well, the, not the, me. <laughs> it's not. It, so, um, the, the caller is uh, very educated with the contract. In the contract, it says that Mountain Village only needs to provide 1%, but they have never done that. They've always provided 2%. So that's why they think that um, Mountain Village only does 1%. They actually don't. They've been playing 2% since I arrived in town, and I think since the beginning of the contract. I agree. And, and um, given that they have more of the hotbeds uh, than Telluride does, there have been years when they've actually, a town half as big as Telluride has 
contributed a little more. Um, we don't bicker about that. We, we love both of our funding streams, um, but uh, they have contributed significantly. Gotcha. And um, the Bridal Veil and shuttle question? The Bridal Veil, we were, um, we were approached as a one potential funding partner for a Bridal Veil shuttle. And we agreed that we would uh, contribute the other funding sources said no, so the bridal veil shuttle didn't happen. That was uh, that was being kind of uh, driven by Lance Waring, Commissioner Waring, and we we were completely open to to assisting, and they didn't get the rest of the funding partners. Mm -hmm. And that is something that we would continue to be interested in helping to fund. Mm. We we help fund trails programs. And this will be the thing I think that. 22 will be a great year for us to actually collaborate with the town of Telluride because they're going to get to know us more. We're going to get to know them more because if 20, we, we need to solidify marketing beyond 2022. So 2022 needs to be a very important year for council digging into what we do and how we do it. Well, jumping onto this, you know, looking forward question i mean can you both you know dan and michael i guess describe you know what does what does a future tourism board look like i mean we're talking about agreements run up 16 years ago well since then i mean social media for one has happened and it seems like we're not really i hope we're not paying most of our budget for billboards because i would imagine a lot, of, <laughs> a lot of word of mouth now comes from you know facebook instagram tiktok god knows what else yep. um so, so what does you know a future tourism board look like and and yep. what what is the argument for why this money should be going to to the tourism board moving forward well, I'll, I'll start the answer. Um, yeah, we've released the carrier pigeon fleet, so we're not doing uh, direct marketing. What we are working on, and we're at a different place than we were 15 years ago. That's why we think it's a great time to sit down and rethink the IGA and establish new priorities and metrics with all of the governments. Um, we think uh, we have been discovered. We think our role is to help manage and mitigate uh, the impacts of tourism, and we've been doing that for the last several years. The Bridal Veil Shuttle is an example, or the Trails Program is an example, or the COVID campaign was an example, or Act Like a Local campaign, or providing data to the County Health Board on hospitality occupancy when they put a limit in. So we think those types of efforts, having one organization that's working to help manage and mitigate tourism, across the destination is is our is, well, this is our current reality people think we're marketing the heck out of the place we're not we, we we are doing more of that kind of stuff we operate the visitor center which is a great opportunity to educate the people that are already here about our values and our priorities and keep that guy in flip-flops off of the via ferrata and maybe <laughs> disperse traffic off of main street encourage them maybe to go try mountain village and the canopy tour or maybe go to the west end of the county and do a little glamping at that cool new place um, so that's what we've envisioned our future to be. It'll be made a lot harder if it's a bunch of bilateral discussions where we're kind of doing shuttle diplomacy between the three governments and the ski company. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Delaney, can you talk a bit from, the, you know, I mean, the town's perspective on kind of this management side of things and, and just, I mean, at least how you would envision, you know, if 2A passes, if town now has more leeway, I mean, where does, I guess, how do you see this, you know, potential ma regional management going on moving forward? And also, I mean, just how do you envision, you know, council making the decision to allocate these funds? I mean, how much, you know, lead time would there be? What would the process be? Would it just be, you know, you don't know your budget until October for the next year? Or would, would there be more, I guess, headway? Ooh, that was a lot, Matt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, less than 10 minutes left. <laughs> so we just, as I said earlier, we adopted our budget today. We started in late July. It was a very long process. And I'm personally always about talking about things sooner rather than later so that you don't get caught at the last minute making decisions. Our clerk has been already penciling things in on our running list for work sessions that council has requested over the last several months. This particular topic is high on the list because we had been in discussions the local governments for months it's hard to get everybody ready for a meeting and available for a meeting at the same time but we were doing that i agree and thank you to michael because he has sent us um, a scope of services todd and i were involved in these meetings and 
I wish we had already been able to meet on that and review it. Budget season is rough, <laughs> and this year was really rough. So going forward again, I, I don't know, none of us know what the future holds. I think that there was a need for council to compromise on how this ballot measure went forward. And it had a broader scope at one point and we narrowed it down. And so I think we've done quite a good job this fall and late summer compromising on some things to find a path forward that works for everyone. Regional collaboration, I am all about that. I have always been all about that. And as much as we can do that, I think it helps our entire community. So wherever the town, Telluride Town Council and community lands on this subject, and wherever Mountain Village lands on the subject, and wherever the county lands on the subject, if we can all then come back and circle up and have um, efficiency of cost mm -hmm. and a concerted effort for not just our two towns but our broader community because they're asking for that we had people calling in from norwood asking at our meeting you know don't forget about it or telling us don't forget about us please include us in this conversation so you know i don't know if that really answered your question because it's a hard one to answer because we don't have that crystal ball but i for one am all about the regional collaboration if others are interested in pursuing that Mm. We only have a few minutes left. I have way more questions than we have to, as always. Um, but, you know, Dana, Michael, I do have to ask, I mean, this question essentially, as Delaney said, there's no no changes, at least for 2022, is is the consensus. And it sounds like what it does is, is gives Telluride more flexibility to either continue things as they are or if things change to switch course. Um, I guess what what is what would, what is the issue, I guess, with having more flexibility with how the town spends its funding? Well, I, I can start. It, it, it goes to operational continuity. If we're in an annual budget process, and I was a mayor in Mountain Village, I was an elected official, I know with new councils coming in, there's new priorities and different perspectives. It makes it difficult to employ high-quality staff. You, know, you can afford, afford my salary. I'm a volunteer. I don't make a time. But you know, if you want to have a visitor center, you know, a lease on Main Street is a multi-year uh, commitment. We have data providers and analytics services that are multi-year contracts. And my concern is that Telluride appears it's going to be supportive, but then Mountain Village is going to have a different set of things it wants, and they're going to be on different time frames, and the county's going to have its different process, and they're going to raise the marketing issue at different points in time. And again, we'll do the shuttle diplomacy, but when you talk about efficiency, my concern is it's going to be less efficient um, for the people who fund the tourism board and we're probably going to be um, downsized in terms of what we can do to help the community. And I don't want to make it sound threatening, but when the county calls up and says, where's some data, we may not have it. Um, and we provide a lot of data. Like, did people know almost 30% of the visitors this summer were day trippers? You know, our average daily rate has gone up dramatically. Do we want that? The occupancy in our hotels during COVID was X, Y, and Z. That's what we do. And I'm concerned we won't be able to do that um, yeah. prospectively. I'm going to ask all of you for closing statements in a sec, but I do want to just, God, we should, I wish we had more time. Um, but, you know, tourism, our issues with tourism, our love of tourism, our hate of tourism, it's such a complicated relationship, um, is going to continue long after question 2A. It's not going away after November. So briefly, what do you each see as something the region needs to do over the next decade to just make our tourism as sustainable um, as, as possible? And whoever wants to go first, I just want to hear some ideas from each of you. Hi. This is what keeps me up at night because um, this is an elaborate math problem. What you just said is technically an elaborate math mm -hmm. problem. And really where I'm coming from or, or where my head is at is it's even beyond the county. It goes from Grand Junction to Durango. And we need to start to thread those beads together so that people can understand and we can go to the front range as one voice saying, look, this is what the Western Slope does and how we're surviving. So um, it just, it's bigger than just this. Telluride, Telluride itself, its impact on the economy literally stretches from Grand Junction to Durango and probably beyond. And that's the kind of um, 
the data and the, 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 the input that I'm personally looking for. I'm looking to get data from uh, Black Hills. I'm looking to get data from San Miguel Power Authority. I'm looking, I've talked to David Averill about getting, because we, I believe tourism is a living human thing. It's a breathing, it breathes in and out. It inhales and it exhales. And we haven't mapped it. We've never mapped it. And if we map it, and we can do that here because we're such a small, we're a micro environment. Actually, it's one of the major benefits of how large we are is we can actually map this and understand the inhale and the exhale of it. So I'm sorry, I'm talking up there, but that's where my head is. That's if, if, if we can come together and I can give, we can walk into council and give council really good data and information about what this is going on now at this time and this is how far it's going to stretch, it allows them to make better decisions. And that's what I'm looking to be able to provide to council. Hmm. Dan's pointing to me, so well, I'll go. I'm happy to go, but no, I want you to get equal time. I really appreciate what Michael just said because that is a huge aspect of town government in general is that we are here, but everything that happens around us in the entire western slope affects all of us, and it we are integrally connected, and it isn't just the three counties, it's all of it. And we go to these meetings at the state level or multi state level, and we hear how rural communities are really struggling and need to work together. The thing that I guess, and, and I will say for the record, I have not really campaigned for anything or anyone. I like for people to make their own decision. If I'm here to be the devil's advocate, so to speak, um, I, my concern with telling people to not vote for 2A is that the system was working just fine with the three governments under the agreement with Mountain Village already existing in a different arena with their um, financing base going to the tourism board for marketing through their own purview. This would put us, the town of Telluride, on a level playing field. And because it has worked so well so far, I fully appreciate the uncertainties going into the future and how that gives um, angst to the folks at the tourism board. I completely get that. I don't necessarily think that 2A passing would drastically alter that, but again, it's an uncertainty. And sorry, I know we're going over. Um, I would say that I think if it was to pass, that 2022 is a crucial year to show the value of what is coming from the marketing dollars being spent at the same level as it has been in the past so that we can then move forward and perhaps there is no change. Mm-hmm. I do want to fact check one thing just based on at least okay. my conversation with Mountain Village staff. They had told me that while they, they have the funding passes through to the tourism board, but it's not, it doesn't have to. They did say it's, it's mandated to go to marketing and, and management. So at least it seems that, that the town under 2A could spend it on other things, affordable housing, um, transportation. Okay. It seemed like this would give somewhat more flexibility. Okay, thank you. Yeah. That's, thank you for clarifying. Um, but Michael and Dan, I will give you guys now the, the final word to kind of make, because that was kind of, sounded like your closing statement to Laney. Oh yeah, but, that was yeah. Not, yeah. So Michael and Dan, your closing statement on- um, I, I've already pontificated. <laughs> oh, so I'll pontificate. No, this is Dan. We, we would encourage you not to vote for 2A. I understand the logic behind it. Um, but I just want to remind people is that we live here too. You know, I don't like waiting in a cowboy coffee line as much as the next guy. And so what we have to do is find a balance, right? Where tourism is an important part of our economy, but nobody likes the crowds and the hordes. And so I think that balance will only be found if we work together, um, ideally reconfigure this intergovernmental agreement and keep the governments at the table, uh, keep the ski company at the table. Um, But by blowing it up and people going in different directions, which is what we think will happen, um, we think this important issue, 80% of our economy will be less managed and less uh, coordinated. And that's the role we wanna play and we'd encourage folks to let us continue playing it. 
uh, if these budgets do reduce, and I appreciate your support, Delaney, um, but future councils, I'm willing to bet, are going to put some to workforce housing, put some to this, put some to that. Uh, and I don't, we don't disagree with that. We share all those priorities. Um, but we're worried that the tourism board might uh, not be viable and, and might not be able to continue to operate. So, well, that was the voice of Dan Jansen, the chair of the Telluride Tourism Board. Matt, can I say one thing? Thank one you, thing, Laney. Thank you, Cotto, for giving attention to 2A, 2B, and 2C because they have largely gone unnoticed. And I was even told yesterday that people are casting their ballots without voting on any of those three because they just don't know enough about them. So thank you, Koto, for this educational yeah, opportunity I, I, tonight. I, you guys have done a bang up job on this election. I, it's amazing. I just I commend you for all of the work you've done and how you've tried to articulate it and set it up for the voters. It's really good stuff. Please well. fill out your whole ballot. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank you, Cody. Really appreciate the kind words. Um, Dan Jansen, Chairman of the Telluride Tourism Board, Michael Martelon, President and CEO of the Tourism Board, and Delaney Young, the Mayor of the Town of Telluride. All three of you, thank you so much. Listeners, thank you so much. We've been talking about ballot question 2A. If you missed any of this, go to Kodo.org. The whole thing is going to be uploaded very, very soon. Um, and don't forget to vote. And don't forget to tune in to Kodo's election coverage a week from tonight, Tuesday, November Oh, it's. I think it's it's November. It's November the <laughs> November the second. I should know that oh. by heart. Tune in. We're gonna have all the results, all the stuff. It's been a long election season. I'm not gonna lie. I'm a little bit excited for it to be done, but it's not over yet. <laughs> Stay tuned. Rock and Rob on in just a sec. This is K O T O Telluride. Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment. And in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas.